This is Bangarang Radio, a podcast network. For more shows, visit bangarangradio.com. I'm going out, I gotta go. I'll bang a ring on the radio. So turn it up, I'm telling you. I think I'm ready for something new. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. You're listening to Pop Punk and Pizza on Bangarang Radio. Hello, hello. Welcome to Pop Punk and Pizza. It is Jacques Lamour, your host. Today is Tuesday, August 14th, 2018. I am super, super excited about today's show. And before I tell you what is happening on the show today, I do want to mention just real quick, once again, we only have two or three Pop Punk and Pizza podcast t-shirts left. And then hopefully I'm going to order some more. I'm going to get some more of the, our logo, but I'm working on ordering some other designs, I should say. So I'm thinking, I'm sure you've heard of the, the t-shirt or seen the t-shirt that says pop punk, or uh, that says punk rock ruined my life. Well, I thought it would be cool to do that with pop punk and pizza. So I'm either going to do pop punk and pizza ruined my life or pop punk and pizza saved my life, or I might do both, but I'm kind of taking votes from everyone so i would really appreciate it if you went to our social media pages and told me and tell me what you think or which shirt that you would buy so hit me up on twitter pop punk and pizza pod or facebook and instagram as pop punk and pizza podcast also i should give you my twitter handle too it's on air with jl and just let me know what you think give us a follow while you're at it as well but I'd like to order some more t-shirts uh, in in the near future here. We'll see how soon it will actually be, but give me your vote there. Or if you want to go ahead and buy one of those Pop Punk and Pizza podcast t-shirts right now, we have um, one medium left, we have two extra larges, and we have one 2XL. Get that at bangerangradio.com. I almost forgot to give you give you the link, but you'll find the link up there on bangerangradio.com. Anyway, I am super, super excited about today's show. Talking to one of my musical heroes from my childhood, and still to this day, he just kind of popped back up in my life recently, and I was like, oh my gosh, I was literally just thinking about him the other day, and boom, there he was on Twitter. So we're going to get into what is going on with Scott Klompenstein of Littlest Man Band, and formerly of Real Big Fish. And you're saying, Jacques, why are you saying not formerly of Littlest Man Band? Well, I don't say formerly of Littlest Man Band because from the looks of it on his social media pages and just the little bit that I've talked to him on Twitter is that he's actually working on new music under the name Littlest Man Band. So we're going to find out all about that today. And I hope you won't be mad at me about this, but we're not going to play any music on the show today because I just want to allow as much time as possible with Scott today. So let's get to it. My conversation with the extremely talented Mr. Scott Klompenstein. Hello. Hey, it's Scott. Hey, how's it going, man? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm I'm great. <laughs> doing great, man. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I guess we can we can uh, go ahead and start. Um, 
I just I I want to say that I'm I'm really honored to have you on the show. Oh, my pleasure, absolutely. Yeah, it's it was just it was so um it was so random. I was literally I, as I said in that that tweet I sent you earlier last I think that was yeah that was last week. Um, yeah, that I had was was just thinking about about you about Scott Klompenstein. I'm like, okay, what? I wonder. I'm like, what has he been up to? You know? And then all of a sudden, uh, Littlest Man Band follows the Pop Punk and Pizza page, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's like, well, that's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just we. So I've been, um, you know. I, uh, social media is not necessarily my forte, and so it was something I decided to make a conscious effort to uh, spend a little time kind of diving into. And so, yeah, just kind of it's, it's amazing how reaching out to people just makes makes all the world a difference. Because that was the whole point, right? Like that's the whole point for me, anyway. That's the whole point of why I do art and make music, and and is is to connect with people. Um, you know, to either be affected by or have a positive effect in the lives and around them, the lives of others. Right. Yeah, so. I, I completely agree. That's, I mean, that's partly why I do this podcast is just to reach out to people, meet new people, talk to people I know or I'm interested in or learn something new or or and um, inform people about other things that are going on, you know. Um, yeah, and I'm also just terribly, terribly lonely. That's really what it is. <laughs> unbelievably isolated and lonely. Is that what it I've is? I've got a kind of Howard Hughes thing going on that, uh, you know, my wife and children are scared. Um, they're actually very okay with the bottles of pee everywhere. But it's the finger I was just yeah. going to ask about the bottles of pee. I was like, are they okay like with that? <laughs> oh, man. I can only imagine yeah. how... Uh, how that would work. I guess it depends on what the, you know, what the poo is, but it takes skill. I'm not, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna play it down. It takes skill and <laughs> practice. Okay. <laughs> it's a gift and I'm proud of the, the talents I have. Hey, I'm it, just saying it's not everybody's, I'm not everybody's cup of tea or, or a bottle of poo. I was going to say not everybody's cup of poo is really what, yeah. what it should be. Right. Well, you do it in an old fashioned milk bottle. Right. Just right. Just like just like Howard Hughes, you learn from the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking about going mason jars, and it seemed too like hipster ironic. I was going to say um, it should be mason jars in this day and age. I mean, the, yeah. I don't. I don't think the milk bottles have really come back. I mean, I know Oberweiss Dairy Store delivers. Uh, old-fashioned bottles of milk, I think, still, and bottles. I don't know. But. Well, I live in Brooklyn. You can pretty much get anything delivered with a guy in a mustache. I was going to say, yeah. In Brooklyn, it's pretty easy to come by. <laughs> yeah, riding a, riding a unicycle. Yeah, probably. I mean, I I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I've, I've been to Brooklyn many times, so I I wouldn't be shocked to, to see that. Um. But uh, I was going to ask you, bringing up the the whole Twitter thing and and how um, I started talking to you this last week. Did did you just randomly see the the podcast page and then just go ahead and follow it, or or how did how did you? Yeah, kind of. 
Okay. I mean, it was like, so it was like just kind of reaching out to see. So, the, you know, I, when I, 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 it's been so long since I really, I, I took a long time off of working and right. making music and, and things to, to focus on um, being a father and a husband. And so they're getting tired of me. Um, they're just like, we, we got it. You're around. If you could be less around, that would be great. Um, and so I was just trying to figure out how to reconnect with the community that like has meant so much to me, um, throughout my entire life. And so, yeah, just kind of looking for really fish fans, little man band fans. Cause for, you know, the thing I battle with this all the time and this is, 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 I have this little I, this voice that constantly tells me that no one really wants to hear what I have to say or cares or I don't have anything interesting to share or like I you know I'm I mean for goodness sakes you know I'm, I'm, I'm you know I just anyway no um, I I uh, and so we all have that yeah and so uh, part of it was to reach out and yeah find find out if people still care i mean you know i mean seven years is essentially or it's, i think it's coming up on eight years that i've been off the road um with real big fish and it was almost 15 years ago that i released the littlest man band record um and so it's like that's a long time in terms of people's attention spans and who we are seven years ago or 15 years ago is 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 you know, leagues of personality change and, and, and taste. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, it was kind of more about, I, I don't want to give people something that people don't want or don't care about. And, and at this point in my life, the amount of effort and energy that it would take to, it's going to take to get back to work. Um, like it's a bargain that my, I have to make with my family. And so it was kind of like, let me see if anybody still cares. Gotcha. And so that's kind of what the get that was. And then, you know, and I found your site and, and, and yeah. And I, I was just like, Oh, and then you responded so quickly. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. I thought it would be like, all, uh, who, who are you? What? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no. I think, I mean, we had this, I had this meant, I can't speak for everybody else in real life. I mean, we just, I, but I feel like there was, for some reason, I know for myself, and I think the other people in the band felt that felt this way, and probably some might still, because um, it's a hard mentality to shake. Is when the music industry at large turned its back on like ska music and bands with horns. I mean, cause it wasn't just Scott, right? It was the swing band too, but it was like this whole like anti-horn thing that seemed to happen. Yes. As a total backlash of the embracing of horn band. Um, uh, we just, there's this thing that gets put in the, in your brain that you're just like, you're there, you're, you're at the party and no one's really sure why you got invited. Um, and so yeah, it's kind of like, well, I don't, you know, Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. Um, so yeah, that was to make a to make a very 
short story long. That was kind of what that was. It's just me going, hey, uh, does anybody want to hear what I still think? And I guess you of all, you do. Yeah. Maybe we'll see if anybody else does. Yeah. I'm They're like, oh, oh, we can skip this episode. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's honestly plenty of people because I, you know, I'm a, I've been a real big fish fan since I was a little kid. You know, my, my oldest brother uh, turned me on to you guys when I was, you know, I don't know, I was probably eight or so somewhere around there. And it just grew, and I've still been, uh, you know, a diehard fan to this day. And I always considered you to be like. I know there's obviously more than two members of Real Big Fish, but obviously you have Aaron, you know, the front man, and then you have you, Scott. And I always kind of considered you to be like the other half, just because of how you guys would banter back and forth. And I know, obviously. All, all kinds of other things go in with that songwriting. And, and so um, that's why, to me, uh, when I was uh, initially talking to you and saying that people would love to hear from you is because I, I think a lot of people have that same view that I have, you know, that you're, sure. you uh, were half, you know, like half of that band. So obviously you sang lead vocals uh, here and there. You were always harmonizing, um, you know, trumpet solos, obviously, um, guitar work. I just, I don't know. Um, one of the, the last, because uh, you were technically one of the original members, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in the, in the second iteration of Real Big Fish, um, I came along very soon after the band begun. So there was the band that was, uh, there was the band that was like in 19, I mean, I guess I guess that was like 1992, 93. Um, and that's when I first started seeing the band and it was a very different band at that point. Um, and then, and then the band kind of disassembled and then Aaron reassembled a new band with like Matt and Andrew had been in the former version of the band. So he got Matt and Andrew and, um, and then actually, so he put that together and I showed up to a rehearsal and did some stuff and then went off on a vacation and didn't let anybody know. I mean, I was, a, I was a little, I was a young kid and I'm not like the most organized individual. I'm a very scatterbrained human being. Um, and so then they got other horn players, um, which were Tavis and Dan okay, and uh, a guy named Adam Polikoff. And so then that happened for a while. And I think, and then I joined, I think maybe a year after that. So that would have been in like 90, I joined in 90, definitely in 94. Yeah. But, um, cause Aaron just wanted as many horns as possible in the band. Like, I mean, we had, we had six horn players at one point. Was it, or was it eight? We had, well, yeah, no, it was, uh, two trombones, two trumpets. And you had um, a sax, right? And a sax. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, 
Yeah, it was a five-piece horn section, but I think we may have had three trumpets one time. It was oh, wow. crazy. We did Scottanic, and it was <laughs> powerful. Yeah. Was powerful. The rest of the songs, I feel like, I remember we played a show with a band called Neil Ticket, and we played this show in Covina in Southern California. And um, I think it was in Covina. I could be wrong. Uh, that was so long ago. And, uh, yeah, I remember Scott Tannick was amazing, but everything else was really out of tune. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of us on stage. And then we did it another time with this thing called... Um, what was that place called? Something musical. I can't remember. Again, very long ago. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing how long ago <laughs> it, it might was. Might not be interesting at all. It could be me just going. I don't remember. I don't know. I <laughs> no, totally no. I I I am fully interested in what you're saying. If I don't know for sure, I'll just make up lies. Yeah that that could keep it interesting. That could do it. To keep, right. Exactly. Got to keep was it. There an android on stage. Well, it's like reality TV. <laughs> you know, ah! it's the same thing. That's what this is. It's a reality, reality based on a perception of reality. Mhm. Exactly. But yeah, it is amazing how long ago all that was. I I keep thinking that it was that, you know, that the 90s were just oh, that was a couple years ago, you know, and it's it just catches up no, on no. you. Yeah. Yeah. Catches up on you, man. Um Oh, yes. But, um, I mean, yeah, back to um, what you were, you know, saying, if people still cared or not. I want to make sure that I I fully believe that people do care, and I, I am definitely one of them. So that's why I was thrilled that, you know, you followed on, on Twitter and that you were interested in coming on the show and just talking about what you've been up to, what you're going to be doing, all that stuff. So, um, I mean... I'm thrilled once again to have you on, but let's, um, I, I want to know, I, I never, I, I did actually get to meet you about 12 years ago. Um, okay. it was outside, it was in, in Chicago when you guys used to play shows at Congress theater mm-hmm. and, and, um, it was after the show, my, I think it was my girlfriend and I were hanging, hanging out after the show and we were talking to you, and I remember um, talking about, um, I brought up Drunk Again and telling you how much I liked that song. And I remember you just lit up like a, like a Christmas tree. You were just so, you were so happy to, to hear that and like hear that someone was interested in that song because obviously it was so different from anything real big fish had released and it i i mean i i was just 16 years old at the time so i there's a lot of things i couldn't comprehend i remember asking sure. you about um you guys had just departed you finally were able to depart from your record label and that was a big deal and i remember right. th- i remember asking you like well who's going to book your shows <laughs> like i thought a record label booked your shows, you know, that kind of thing. That's kind of where, yeah. you know, my mentality was. I didn't realize, oh, that's that's a booking agent that 
does that. Not a. Oh yeah. I mean, I had those <laughs> questions too until I started doing it. You know what I mean? It's like, right. Oh, how'd that work? Yeah. Right. So you know, now that I look, now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh wow, <laughs> that was a dumb question. You know. Um, well, it's just better to believe that it's all magic. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. they just show up here in a, in a magical bus and they come out and they do all the thing and everything's all set up. Just believe in the magic, the technical aspects of it. Unless you really want to know because you want to do it for a living, just believe in the magic. That's the fun of it. And that's what, I, speaking, you're talking about the magic, that's what I liked about when I met you that one time, is that you didn't, like, portray that, oh, yes, this is all magic, and we just magically show up and magically do this, because I remember, I can't remember exactly what you said about it, but, you know, you did give the impression that, you know, it was a long, hard battle and and that you know things aren't easy you know um you were no yeah no yeah um and i also remember that i remember bringing up van's warp tour as well and and you were talking about how that was you know a difficult thing too and it wasn't as easy as everyone makes it sound and and things like that um so i i do remember you being real about it so do remember that well tour in general i think tour i think the the life of a touring musician is in general is just it's a very difficult lifestyle i mean i think that and don't get me wrong there are incredible incredible beautiful wonderful fun um uh elements to it but it's like anything like it's it's hard work you know um you know, you, you, you wind up, you know, you miss family, you miss friends. And the way that Really Fish toured, um, you know, we, we toured a lot, six to nine months out of the year. And so you wind up missing birthdays and, 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 and weddings sometimes. And, you know, like, we always tried to fly people home if we could for weddings and funerals. But anything other than that, like, you, you would miss holidays often um because you had a show that people sometimes wanted i couldn't remember the last um before i left the band i i couldn't think of a new year's that i didn't play a show a because new year's is yeah people want to go people want to party on on new year's and they want to go see a show but it's also because you're running a business yeah so, like people are going to pay great great money for you to go and play a New Year's show. Plus, it's like, it's kind of an instant party. Like, you, yeah, so, um, you sacrificed a lot to do that job, and that's, you gotta love it. And I think, um, I mean, I think that that, you can even trace, like, I, I was thinking about this. It's funny, because when I was preparing for this interview, I was like, what am I, do I, what am I gonna talk, what am I gonna talk about? Do I know anything? Do I remember anything? You know, the one thing that came to mind was thinking about when everybody left, right? Like going through, it's like uh, when when Andrew left, when Grant left, um, when 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 Tavis left, when Tyler left, when Carlos left, um, uh, you know, when when Matt left. Uh, and then there was me and then Dan, I mean, like going through the list of everybody who in the time that I was in the band and when they decided to leave, you could tell that their love and not the love, I mean, like that there was, there was something about it that wasn't, 
because I mean, the, the, not that they didn't love, none of us have not loved the music, but the lifestyle is just tough. And you, at a certain point, especially getting older and getting married, and then, I mean, you know, Dan did the road with kids, or with one kid at the time, and like, you know, Johnny Christmas has got a kid, and and it's it's a bargain uh, uh, that you make with um, your family and with yourself, and and it's it's as life continues and the you know the things that you want to put in your life continue, it gets harder and harder, um, and so yeah, it's really all about like about the love of touring and reaching out. And sometimes like I'm finding now, um, not that I want to start hitting the road like a mad person, but there are <laughs> elements of it that I dearly miss with all my heart. And they are who they are part of what makes me neat. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, the part of making something, you know, the thing that, right. Like the reason I lit up when you mentioned that my song meant something to you, because that's the that's the dream. That's that's the whole point. Right. Um, that song was born born of something uh, uh, vulnerable and 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 difficult. And uh, you know, and I still play that song today. And I still I still have an emotional experience with it because I remember who wrote it, and I remember where I was at when I wrote it, and that though the experience is different now and I've learned a lot of things since then, like I'm still capable of that sort of perspective and emotional, uh, 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 sadness for different reasons now. But, um, but the fact that it meant something to you means that like, I'm not alone. Like, I don't know, you know, like that's, that's what music has always done for me is it's like, I heard musicians write songs that made me feel less alone. And, you know, cause I feel like everybody's the star of the movie in their own head. Right. So yep. we all feel uniquely damaged or talented. And I, and for myself, I know I do. I am, I, I can be both one of the greatest minds of our universe and, <laughs> and the lowest of the lowest pieces of garbage ever invented at the same time. Um, and to have any sort of connection with another living soul on this planet uh, is is really important to me. And the only way I know how to share those vulnerable moments in a way that's both socially acceptable and not like a little overwhelming is to, you know, you come up to people and you're like, hi, I'm sad. Hi, I'm sad. You don't want to do that. <laughs> Oftentimes I want to do that. I do not. Um, <laughs> yes. But, but you know, that's, that's the point. Okay, hold on a quick second. My yeah. daughter is standing. What's up, dude? Yeah. You got to make it quick, baby. Did Sadie just spill, Sadie just spill something? My, my water, water. Can you go get a towel and clean it up? Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. I figured it was on the carpet. Can you go get a towel and pick it up? And you know what? You can play the dancing game. Just take the towel, put it on the floor, and dance on the wet spot. Sweet. Thank you, bird. Um, That's cute. <laughs> oh, they're the best. My children are 
I know everybody thinks that, but I, I'm almost positive. Hey, my children are. are I, I mean, I, you know, I was watching some of those live stream YouTube videos that you've done in the last couple months, and and uh, <laughs> one of them, yeah, they, they were, they, in. yeah, they were, they barged in, and I was like, they are just so adorable. <laughs> yeah, they seem like sweet but, kids. Um, oh, they're fantastic. I mean, they make, yeah, they. Um, yeah, they are. That's all I can say. Is they just there. Sometimes are no words to to, to explain how how wonderful uh, uh, kids can be. I agree. Um, um, but and, and they're also like super. They're just they're just rad. They don't care. I mean, they're like my girls. Both are very like, big into music and art and like. Um, my daughter, my eldest daughter, Ella Pearl last Thanksgiving we were over at some people's house and she just out of nowhere decided to climb the staircase and like kind of make like the the the, the table was uh, I can't remember there must have been like 20 people and most of them we did not know most almost all of them she did not know um, and she just started putting on a show improvising music off the top of her head and she put on a good 20 20, 30 minute show of completely improvised music for this group of people. Um, and I was like, well, well, there you go. <laughs> it's a, something about uh, apples and trees and their proximity to each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, hmm, I wonder where she got that from. <laughs> that, yeah. is, that is adorable. Did she sing like... I'm? like any of your songs or songs that you taught her, I'm, I'm sure, or did she pick them up from somewhere else or? No, I mean, she's, her thing is more, so we just put her in, we started her in voice lessons um, recently. We, we, she attends the uh, Brooklyn Conservatory of Music. Okay. And, That's a big deal, right? Um, Am I not mistaken? Or? No, I mean, it's, they have like youth classes and stuff like that. So, okay. Um, yeah. And so she, uh, the the woman who was doing her 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 voice stuff was she was fantastic, um, but my daughter Ella Pearl is she's very self directed, like she understands that people have their agendas, but she's not really concerned. Um, she has her own plan for things, and so it was very much about letting her figure out where she was attaching to music and like expressing herself. It kind of became more of like a music therapy session than anything. Um, but she's exploring. I mean, like that's her whole thing. Like when she was born, um, I instantly started playing weird stuff for her because mm-hmm. I know because kids can get it right. Yeah, I mean, like right. putting on like we listen to Sonic Youth and Miles Davis's Electric Period and um, you know Frank Zappa and Edgar Varese and 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 uh, you know uh, Bartok and anything I could get that was just interesting and fun and uh complicated mm-hmm. and i mean she's been through her she went through a mars volta phase really wow um yeah oh she's i mean she's seven and she's she's always like it's not rocking hard enough for me dad I'm like, <laughs> all right um but she prefers to when she sings or does whatever because she goes i mean she does Disney songs and stuff like that. Sure. Frozen was big in our house. I won't deny it. Oh, yeah. Um, 
But um, yeah, she really loves the flow of consciousness. Both my girls, we get in the car and we don't turn music on too often because both of my girls are sitting in the back and they're each singing flow of consciousness, different songs. They're just making up whatever comes out of their brain by themselves. And so there's two different songs. It's the, it's the greatest thing to listen to. It's hilarious. It's got to be. I was going to say, it's got to be the most random stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cute. Um, yeah. It's, but, it, but that's that's their, like, yeah, there's some, I mean, I, it, it's neat to watch and see whatever that thing is that, like, connects young people I mean that music is magical how do you explain it right it's these vibrations through air this thing creates a vibration it travels through the air it reaches our ears it vibrates the thing in our ear and we hear it it's it's not you know it's a it's a it's an intangible art form right it's it is it doesn't and it doesn't exist until there are two I mean, until there's at least one participant. Like mm-hmm. a sculpture sits there, and it's there. Music needs a participant. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I think... So it's just kind of a different thing. Yeah, I think um, it's funny you bring that up, because as you were bringing that up, I was thinking just now that I feel like as adults we forget that, that music is actually a pretty magical thing it literally is magic i mean that's kind of the way i look at life just in general i was having this conversation (laughs) with somebody recently that like we we just because we can there's this great uh philosopher named susan k langer and she was from the 1950s and her the gist of what she said i'll paraphrase because i'm not smart enough to say it verbatim, but um, <laughs> is that we can just because we put a name and a number with something doesn't mean we created it or sent it off in its way. Like we can look at the electrons and neutrons and see what they do. But we, I mean, this is the, the universe is magic. It's all magic. We can call it science if it makes us more comfortable, but underneath science is magic. I like I that. That's my own take on it. Like, yeah, I like you know, that. We can't rob ourselves of the the opportunity to believe in magic. Um, it doesn't make it mean that it doesn't exist or it doesn't have an explanation. Magic can have an explanation. Yes, but there's some place down deep where you just got to go. I don't know. I mean, probably this, but I don't know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Theoretically, mathematically, this makes sense. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. I feel like I say that most like, of the time. Why does this all exist? Because it's got to. I mean. Uh, what? No. Again, I'm not a very bright man. <laughs> I don't know about that. So you seem, you've always seemed very bright to me. So. Oh, gosh. Even, talk, even talking just now. So. It's, I mean, it, I read a lot of things that. I'm sure someone has debunked a long time ago. <laughs> like, oh, oh, we figured out that that doesn't make any sense. Time to read a current book, sir. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Current books are hard to trust these days. So. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to trust anything, I feel like. 
So, not anything. That's a little too general, but you, I think you get what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's why personal relationships are so much more important these days. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. I try not to, I try, I try personally try not to overthink. Yeah, that's the tough part, the overthinking thing. Yeah. Yeah, do that all. it, it, It often does not work to my advantage it often works to my detriment and yep. it's extremely frustrating for those around me my wife finds it very frustrating um but yeah i mean it's i i kind of go with my gut and if because if i overthink things i screw things up yep yeah that's ex- i was thinking the same thing that's when i end up messing it up or or what leads to messing it up is just the whole process of overthinking and or you end up redoing that thing way too many times and it ends up just not being sounding as good as it did actually the first time because you you know it's just the overthinking well, thing and kills. also right well i think you know and i've been um i think in today's climate and oh here's 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 where the podcast gets dicey. Um, uh, I do a lot of thinking, but, you know, I'm mostly with, like, my wife and children. So you can't talk about this stuff with your children. I do, but they don't answer back. They're generally like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but there comes a point where for me, and this is just for me, this is my own recipe for living life. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 41 years old. And so I've kind of figured out how things work best. I'm still always learning, but part of it for me is I need to make mistakes. Um, because I learn from making mistakes. Uh, if I'm too careful and I'm always thinking about things and, Oh, don't make a mistake. Oh, don't fail. Then I don't learn anything. Um, I just, Earlier this year, um, I had a theater piece running um, with my creative partner and um, BFF, uh, uh, Katya McMullen. Um, And we had a show that we've been working on for the past three years, three and a half years or whatever it is. And this is like the fourth time we've staged it. It's called um, Locked Up Bitches. And it, it was about... Uh, dogs and cats in an all-female animal shelter. And um, we cast, the cast was largely women of color. Um, We had three trans actors on stage. Um, We wanted to have a diverse cast. We wanted anyone who was in New York City to be able to walk into our show and feel like they saw someone on that stage telling a story they could relate to. And so as a straight white cis male, I oftentimes like, like uh, we had one of our trans actors and, and their pronouns were they, them, theirs. Right. Mm -hmm. I think everybody's got the right to say, this is how I would like you to refer to me. 
I don't see why it's a big deal. Some people do, and I think that those people are thinking more about themselves than they are other people. True. Um, <laughs> that's just my own take on it. It's no, like, I, I actually had that. I if had I that. wanted to change my name, you know, like, it's like, it's got nothing how, you know, I think how it's, people want to be referred to and seen and experienced is for them to choose. Right. So, and whatever they feel most comfortable with. But anyway, so for me, um, it was, it was incredible to be a, a minority in the room. Um, cautious of my interaction so that it was sensitive. Um, but without being patronizing. Right. Um, which I think sometimes it can, be, it can become or get, or, or it can become like a, a, a moment for people to show how elevated they are and it becomes a whole stupid thing. Um, but there was a moment where I called one of our trans actors, um, her, mm-hmm. and I instantly caught myself and I said, I am so sorry. That will not happen again. Like, and, and they were great. They were, they appreciated the instant apology. Yeah. And I find this is something there, there's two things in action there that if people did more often, we would see such a change. One, make, making a mistake is okay. As long as you're willing to apologize for it and make a change. That's it. It's real simple. I was just explaining to a friend of mine, like, that's what parenting is. Motivated by love. I make plenty of mistakes, but then I apologize to my children for it so that they can learn to making mistakes is okay. And they just need to apologize. They don't need to beat themselves up. They don't, they're not, you know, everybody knows it's part of life. As long as they're being motivated by love, it's, it's all good. The the so, beating themselves uh, up part is the, the key, because that's the part I struggle with personally, you know, is uh, afterwards. Even after you apologize, you're almost stuck on it, and then you just keep beating yourself up for it, and it's it's hard to get off of it sometimes. Yeah, well, in my personal experience, that generally has to do with, because I do that too. I'm not saying, yeah. a lot of the things that I think are ways towards living an abundant, happy, effective, useful life. They're not things I do perfectly, but they're things I work on every day. Um, and yeah, I mean, that has so much more to do with thinking again, that's more about thinking about myself, right? Well, what are these people thinking about me or, you know, what's, how is this, it, it all winds up being selfish to one degree or another because selfish isn't all about the good things for us. It's about the bad things too. Right. I can cause inflict as much. And the thing I always like to say is it's like, there's very little that people can say about me that I haven't said worse about myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, that's true. I, my feelings don't get like, that's why my feelings never got hurt by reviews or, or what have you. Cause it's like, are you kidding? I have said everything and worse about, about my own. Yeah. Work. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. I you mean, that's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, you know, I put things out or, you know, put songs out into the world. Cause I just, I'm like, okay, I have abused myself long enough and decided 
you know, this piece of garbage won't get any shinier. And so <laughs> might as well just give it to people and see what they, you know. Yeah. Um, what's the, there's the, oh, I wish I, again, I wish I could quote it. There's a line in, um, in the Sondheim musical, um, Sunday in the Park with George, where one of the characters tells the other, it's like, you know, it's not for you to decide what's, what's good. The public's going to decide that for you anyway. Oh, that's true. You know, yeah, you just, you got to put it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just saw this thing that was talking about how Beethoven and Mozart and uh, were as popular and as successful with giant works because they were as prolific as they were. I mean, these, these men wrote hundreds upon hundreds of, of compositions. So law of averages was that their work ethic was also a huge uh, 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 component of their success. They just were like, I have tinkered with this long enough. I have to get it out into the world and, or, you know, or at least try it out. So, um, yeah, mistakes are important. It's the Thomas Edison thing where he, the thing he learned from making the light bulb was, 900 and some odd ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah, I was just, before you even said that, that's actually what I was thinking. That's perspective. Yeah. It's perspective, too. It's huge. Yeah. Pers- Thank goodness for everything. Facebook, right? It puts all of these things in a meme <laughs> for us. So we can memorize it. <laughs> it, did, it does. Yeah, it does, you know. And speaking of that, I saw something. I was, um, I was in a, like a, I don't know what it was, some kind of novelty type shop the the other day and it was a sign of abraham lincoln and it was quoting him as a joke obviously saying that you can't believe everything you read on the internet or something like that and saying that abraham lincoln said it i forget exactly what the sign said it was it was something along those lines but it made me laugh because you know my grandmother always i think it was my grandmother who said don't believe anything you read and only half of what you hear yeah um, that's good advice. I mean, that's a very cynical <laughs> way to look at things. And she's not that cynical a lady. I think she just liked that it was a thing. Yeah. Um, but there's some truth to it, right? No, there is, yeah. I was in the, I was in the, uh, I was in Barnes & Noble and looking for some sort of historical poem, something that would, you know, I, I've been reading a lot of Stephen King recently, so I was like, I need to take a break and read something that's not going to actual and um, well, just it's going to. I can read fiction till the cows come home, so I try to break up as much of my uh, reading into categories as possible and make sure that I'm <laughs> getting. I'm I'm enough well rounded. Sure, you know, mm-hmm. there's no one else. If I'm not the one who's going to make that happen, no one else will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it was all you know. It's also biased. Yes. All from this perspective. Yeah. In the United States or the thing, it's like, I, I, I just, I just, I would, I would like to know the facts that they're there. And they may not be. You know? Th- that's the problem, um, I feel. I mean, there's always been bias, obviously, but more and more you wonder how much is bias or there you feel like there's more bias than there is fact you know so yeah. that's that's uh something that 
I struggle with too is just it, it uh, it's um, it really bugs me. I guess it really really grinds me the wrong way when people base things off bias a lot more than they do facts. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, I think this is this is the argument or the concern that everybody has, which is you know the internet is supposed to be this wonderful piece of information sharing technology and we've been turned into another thing and we'll figure out we'll figure out how to come back from it or or we won't but I like to I vacillate between the practicality of what most philosophers have stated which is that we're on a downward trajectory and there's not a lot we can do um, but I also believe in the undying human spirit that I, I like to think that that there's there's always hope. Yes. Um, uh, so it kind of depends on the day you catch me on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and today, today, today I'm hopeful. Oh, good. I was going to say I hope today is the the hopeful day, but I'm yeah. I'm the same way. I like to always say when anyone kind of throws that at me and they say, "Oh my God, the world is a is in a downward world," you know, spiral and and. Uh, it's it's going to crap, and I say, oh no, that that's not true. It, there's hope, you know. There's there's more there's more good in the world than you than you realize. I feel like that's maybe that's me being too hopeful, but that's what I always hope. It's, I think the scary. I think the world's always scary. I mean, so one of the I'll mention her again. My playwright and creative partner, Katya McMullen, who is just one of the more talented people I have. I, and I, I am just, I, I think about this all the time. I am one of the most fortunate, stupidly lucky people I have ever known to get to work with the people uh, that I've been able to work with and meet the people that I've been able to meet. Just astoundingly talented people um, that I'm always in awe of with my Creative part of Katya McMullen is just amazing. And she and I are working on a play now. Um, and one of the things we we come up with often enough is it's like, this is a conversation that every generation has. You know? Think about how terrifying the Cuban Missile Crisis was. Yes, yes. I mean, that's, I, I live in New York. That, you know, that, that was, that was eminent danger. That was people on the deck, you know, that was, that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like we're not quite there. You know, there's, there's, there's definitely some things to be freaked out about. Yes. Um, but you got to figure out what it is that gets you out of bed in the morning. And then, you know, because that's the thing that's going to be when you look back and you put your head on the pillow and go like, all right, I did that thing. Yep. Now, that's what I, that's what I you know, mm-hmm. that's what my kids are. That's what my wife is. That's what, and that's what music is for me as well. It's what art is. It's what, you know, was I useful today? Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. that wasn't the initial. That wasn't the initial goal of any kind of artistic pursuit for me. 
It is always. I'm am I I'm special. I need to be special. <laughs> Make me special. <laughs> um, I've always loved how animated yeah. you are. Yeah, how <laughs> animated you are, and and uh, you know you you always. Uh, gosh, you're always so funny on stage too. Crack me up. Oh, I thank you. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> um, I mean, with, with with those live streams, I'm always like, if anybody entertained watching this, because for me, it's painful yeah it it's um, it's tough because it's you you're like technically you're alone you know and i mean you're yeah. interacting with people but they can see you you can't see them and it's just yeah it's it's weird it's um but it's what we do a lot in today's age right but um yeah i yeah that's how i feel whenever i've done my sometimes i do the podcast live on facebook and it's kind of the same thing you know they can comment and and interact that way but it's still you can't actually like physically see their response so yeah yeah i do miss a lot i do miss playing live it's one of the things that i i would like to start doing more often and i remember Um, you saying that and in one of the the streams i watched that you're trying to to work on on that um and i mean so yeah let's talk about that what exactly i mean do you are there plans are you just kind of like i'm gonna write some songs and then we'll kind of take it from there kind of deal well i haven't stopped writing that's Mm -hmm. that's the thing um well obviously i don't write as no sorry go ahead um, I don't write as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, back before I had um, left the road, or even, I mean, uh, I, I wrote constantly. It was just, I mean, not all, I mean, and most of it, no one will ever hear. That's just the nature of it. Um, and, uh, but I mean, with, with with my children and then coming in and I got, you know, um, I wanted, I got a normal, normal people job because, uh, one of the things that I felt like I was losing in being, being a touring person and in, in, in the microcosm of the band since I was 17 years old, was I had, I didn't know what, People's day in, day out was like I really didn't. Yeah, um, I had no concept, and so I really part of the artistic endeavor. But it's also kind of how I like rationalize not freaking myself out by going, "I'm getting a day job." Um, I was going to say, was that something like, you were looking forward to when you left in 2011, or was it just kind of like? Or was it a mix of both? Kind of. I mean, so when I left, it was there were elements of it that were hard to leave, and there were elements of it that were not hard to leave. Um, the road lifestyle was not hard to leave. Yeah, um, I'd been doing that since I was seventeen, um, and. I, I was ready to know what it was like to sit still for a little bit. Um, I had also lost a certain amount of perspective, to be honest. 
um, with, again, not only just what do normal people go through, but also, um, but also appreciation for the job. You know what I mean? Like to be like, I have this incredible job and I don't know how grateful for it I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt, I felt like I was cheating. I felt like a phony. I loved playing. I loved playing. I still love playing. There's nothing, you know, like, there's nothing besides, you know, if I'm not with my kids and wife, um, there's nothing else I want to do. Yeah. You know, hey, you got five minutes for bath, gang. Five minutes. Okay? Five minutes and then you got to hop in the bath. Um, so... That's why it was really easy for me to go, you know what, like, let me step aside and let someone else take this opportunity. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not fair. It's not fair to me to have this job if I don't love it. You know what I mean? There's someone else who, and, and I saw that in the faces of Johnny Christmas. I saw that in the face of Ryland Steen. I saw that in the, the, the face of, of, of Derek Gibbs. You know, these guys who came in later and they just loved it. They just loved it. And um, and even Aaron just, just still fully loved it. And it's like, I, I, I needed to love it again. Yeah. But I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so I was like, this new opportunity and adventure for life because that's the whole point right like if I'm not if I'm not doing anything that's difficult or taking chances or living an adventure then I got nothing to, I've got nothing to give people right to make music for there's, there's nothing there so the idea of and, and, and then when, when I say the words normal that can sound really awful in this society that seems to celebrate the extraordinary but there's nothing wrong with normal in forms of you know like like the, just being a person like not needing to like not not being so driven to get up on stage and you know it's just, it's, it's just a different thing right right and being so, like, the spotlight have a day job yeah, whatever gets people on the subway every morning, I I, I wanted to, to check that out. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, New York City uh, uh, rush hour on the subway is uh, a fucking joke. Um, <laughs> that's that's for damn sure. Oh, man. You know, I've do done that before. Time. Done that before, for sure. Yeah. So. And it's getting worse and worse all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> More people, less trains. Okay. Anyway, so we won't turn this into a transit. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, then we'll get off on that because uh, my brother, my brother actually lives in Brooklyn as well. So I've been out there many times to visit him, and so that's how I've experienced it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So yeah. Once the idea was that I would get a job that would then still allow me to. Um, keep working and, and then we figure, you know, my, I, I'm, again, I'm not a planner. So like, mm-hmm. I don't, didn't have this master plan to go like, this is how I'm going to stay in the industry. My wife got pregnant. She said, what are we going to do? <laughs> More, actually, what she said is, what are you going to do? 
<laughs> and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to leave the band. Yeah. She's like, okay, great. And we waited a little while just to, you know, you do the three-month thing. And then I told the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and, there were, I've, and I can honestly, you know, there's no, I don't, I don't, I don't do regret. Because it's pointless. Yep. Um, you know, it, it doesn't change anything. But also, like, all of the wonderful things I've gotten to do because of this. Like, and it's not like. Yeah, I have only gained. I have not lost. You know what I mean? Um, I miss having a relationship with with musicians like I had with the guys in the band because that's a different. That's a thing that I don't know if you're not if you haven't spent a lot of time in a band um, uh, or with a tight knit group of people where you spend most of your time together. I mean, they, they were my family. Yep. I spent more time with them than anybody else. Exactly. You know, we lived together, we, we fought together, we, we, we watched each other go in and out of relationships and, and, and losses of family members. And, you know, we went through everything together. And I missed that. And then we got to, and regardless of where we were at, we got up on a stage once a night and we made this thing that required every single one of us to be participating in to the best of our ability while at the same time making sure that what we were doing was lifting up the other person's ability to do their job. Um, and that's, I don't know that there's something that compares to that. And that I miss with all of my heart. Um, and it's not something that can be synthesized or replaced. And I'm grateful to have had a relationship like that in my life with, the men that I had it with, um, including the touring staff. I mean, you know, they still, you know, Tom Ames, the tour manager for Willie Fish, is an unbelievable individual who does not age. He may be a vampire. <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying to remember if I remember reading an article. I, I wonder if it was about him not too long ago or in the last couple of years, probably. I think yeah. maybe it was. Bath time. I think, Bath that, time. I think nope. it was him. Nope. Teen Titans is over. Bath time. Uh oh. I know you want to see it. You always want to see it. Go get in the bath. <laughs> Please. Give me a break. Oh no. It's, it's done. Oh, Teen Titans is over. <laughs> Go. Bath. Please. Thank you. Um, so, Tuesdays through Thursdays, uh-huh. the job that I have allows me to come home early and be here when my girls get off school. Oh. And that's... so it's essentially me and my girls. Um, and my wife is in real estate, so she works late. Okay. <laughs> and uh, on, on Tuesdays through Thursdays. And so she often makes home just in time for bed or what have you. But the it, it's essentially daddy-daughter time from 2.30 in the afternoon until 8 o'clock at night. Um, and it's the best. It's <laughs> I bet. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> um, Back to what I was saying. Yeah, so for me, it was all about um, having something that would give me some perspective on on what people were going through on a daily basis in the world that I no longer really understood um, so that I could make something that would be relatable, um, that would then connect me to those people. And, and I feel like I would that in a way that I never thought 
was was actually going to be the case because I didn't. I've been doing theater over the past uh, five years, I guess. It's like how long Kathy and I have been working together, um, and it's yeah, it's been truly inspiring to be able to create something that you then put in the hands of other people to give love and life and passion to it. Because oftentimes it's not me performing it, it's other people performing it. And I sit there and I teach it to them and I musical direct the shows as well as, um, and it's, it's, just, it's extraordinary. It really is. It's a beautiful thing that like when you watch people invest their own heart and minds and souls into a piece of music that you wrote that was written for, I mean, the last show we had, we had a 25 person cast and I wrote these big elaborate numbers, huge, crazy, crazy musical numbers um, that in my head and on paper, cause, and I wrote them down. I mean, it was a whole thing. Like I had to write sheet music. It was a, I, me sitting there scratching my brain, trying to remember music theory from freshman year. Um, <laughs> But, and then you put it in the hands of these capable, vulnerable young people, and they latch onto it in a way that means something to them. And they, I mean, it's, it's, it's humbling. Because, you know, like, I really, truly, it, it blew my mind. And it continues to every time it happens. Um, so... Um, but so I've been doing that and then I have other tunes. And so my friend, um, has been, um, kind of every day kicking me in the ass and saying, get back to work, get back to work, get back to work, get back to work. Uh, so I'm getting back to work. Okay. And, um, we're looking to release a seven inch in the fall. Uh, some tunes that I recorded a while ago, um, but I've never released. I recorded, I seriously, I recorded these songs 10, 10 years ago. Oh my God. Never released them. Wow. Ever. Uh, there's so, two songs. One's called The Hilarious and the other's called Welcome to New York. Um, and these are songs that like a friend of mine named Brian Taylor, who's a great engineer and friend, we did it in his dorm room while he was studying at NYU and we had, and his brother helped and I worked on the, uh, the arrangements. And so we, for one of the tunes, the Welcome to New York, we had one at a time, a 16-piece orchestra come into his dorm room, and we recorded them one at a time. Holy hell. And then we mixed it all together. Wow. And then we, played, and then we, we, had, we hired a drummer, but then I played everything else um, and sang all the backups. And then for the song called The Hilarious, uh, we arranged a 13-piece horn section part that then we had to go to a place at this guy's attic in New Jersey, um, in New Jersey city. And, um, and we had the dudes from streetlight manifesto come and spend an entire day laying down these tracks. Um, that one by one, they sounded like nonsense. It's the craziest horn arrangement, but then when it got put all together, it sounds fantastic. And we mm -hmm. spent all of this time and energy we had so little resources and we did such an incredible amount of work with it. And then because I'm an idiot, um, I just didn't do anything with it. Oh man. And so, so yeah, so I reached, I, I reached out to Brian a couple of weeks ago and so he's going, we're going to remix them. And, um, 
do some, make some changes here and there and then release them on a seven inch. Um, and hopefully with the ability to, and hopefully with the seven inch, we'll be able to start funding uh, a new record. Okay. Gotcha. Which is the goal. Well, that's, that is and cool. With a new record. Yeah. With a new, the new record, we're hoping for merch and, and, and the touring hopefully. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. My whole thing is, it's like, I just start taking action and I see what, what comes of it. Yeah. You know, what opportunities come out of it. It's kind of like this interview. Like, I just reached out. I was like, I don't know. Does anybody care? Anybody care? You were like, I care, I care. And I was like, well, let's do something. Like, <laughs> Well, I'm, re- um, I'm really glad you did. So, Yeah. I mean, it reminds me kind of how we, I want to, for me, if I'm going to get back to work, I'm going to get back to work like we, we did when we first did this thing. And the world is totally different. I mean, the capabilities now are endless as far as promoting but at the same time, I'm jumping into a much larger pond, right? There's mm-hmm. so many more artists. I'm just, I, the one thing that a, a friend of mine keeps telling me is she's like, you have, a, she's like, you have what most people don't have, which is people know who you are. And I was like, but do they? And she's like, yes, dummy. <laughs> they do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're just going to. Uh, I've got some people I'm working with. I'm talking with a, with an artist uh, this week about just kind of trying to figure out how to create. I want it to be more than just a record. I want it to be kind of a thing. Like for me, the theatrical elements of stuff, like kind of my music tends to lend itself to a theatrical quality to begin with. Yes. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I was raised in the theater. Um, you know, I mean, I did my homework sitting and falling asleep in theaters while my father worked. He worked in the theater. Okay. Um, and so I love the storytelling. It's important to me. There ha- the narrative is, is important. I don't want to make songs that don't tell a story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, I have things in my head that I need to flush out. Um, but yeah, I want to give people something a little more, I don't think small is my problem. I think very big. Um, and, and so uh, I'm trying to take big ideas and start them small and letting them seeing where they can go from there. But yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm running. I'm, Again, like it's one of those things. Like I only have my wife. I'm I'm a dreamer, but I'm completely unpredictable and sort of unreliable. So, uh, you know. But that's what makes um, you. That's that's why you're such a. um, Most people who are amazing artists are usually like that. You know, they're usually kind of unpredictable and kind of little bananas. Yeah, exactly, and um, that's why it's just. I don't know. To me, that's why I'm drawn to to your work because it's you can tell it comes from this this mind that has just got so much in it, and you just want to see, okay, what's going on in there? Like this is whoa, like this is cool, you know? Like what what's uh, what's happening? Oh, so much all the time. <laughs> my, my poor Katya, I, she gets text messages from me all the time that are just random random nonsense like you know stuff like do you think the lightning bug is the Rudolph of the bug world <laughs> you know I mean that's not even you know that's at like 3 o'clock in the morning oh I'm my gosh and I don't sleep you know do you uh-huh. think like people are like 
lightning bug? What's your deal? Yeah. <laughs> butt close. Or do you think the they kid. think these off? They're like, I'll check out the lightning bug, dude. No. <laughs> and he's like strutting around like, what's up? Oh, you want to check this out? Yeah. That's right. Or is he just like, oh, sorry, everybody. I can't control it. It's just how I get attention. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like, which, oh, wow. Now I'm like drawing drawing relationships between myself and the lightning bug. I'm like, sorry, everybody, I have to do this. It's how I get attention and love. Um, <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> no, oh, no, that, I love um, it. I love it. It's, it's, it's like, yeah. It's who you are. That's what, Well, that's what, I, I'm a firm believer that, I, that every random thought is super valuable. Yeah. Um, and, I, and they can be fleshed out into something that reveals some sort of truth. Um, and um, not like, I mean, I, I, I have a therapist who says the most important thing about dreams is, your, is how you feel in the dream, not what actually takes place in the dream. Um, and, I, and I think there's a, there's a truth to that. But um, I, have a, I talk a lot, <laughs> if you didn't know. Nope. Yeah, well, and, um, I mean, that's and, that's... and part of it is that it gets me into trouble occasionally. But at the same time, like, not having a filter, which I've had to create one over the past seven years, because I'll never forget... I was working, uh, I tried sales for a little while, which I was terrible at. Oh, man, I would love to see um, Scott Klompenstein selling something. I well, would no, love. it wasn't great because I, I won't say the company I was working for because it's, it's not important. No, uh, But I was working in that. their, like, call center, um, and it's a company that people call when, when things are, are not great. Um, okay. There's just a lot of change, and it's usually a very stressful situation. So <clears throat> I was working in this call center. And people these days will say everything and anything to people on the phone and dehumanize them. They say oh, it's sure. not personal, it's business. I, was like, I don't think there's anything far more personal than dehumanizing somebody. So, But anyway, um, and so I was working in this place, and it was like business casual attire, and I was really just newly off the road. I mean, I was only off the road for like a year or so at that point. And okay. the first place that I was working before was very casual. Like I could show up in whatever I wanted to wear and they were really chill and super cool. In point of fact, when I got fired from the job that I'm talking about, I went back to that company. Huh. Um, Cause they were just like, come on back. Huh. Um, but I was working there and I walked up behind one of my coworkers, a male coworker. Um, and I walked up behind him and I was like, you, it whispered in his ear. He didn't see me there. And I, I'm like always trying to like create that, that environment, that relationship of like, because for me, work environments are, are personal. They're camaraderie. This is not how other people see work environments, but it's how I do. And I get it. Like I'm inappropriate, but I walk up behind him and go, you want to see a dead buddy? <laughs> And he turns around on me. He's like, excuse me? I was like, do you... No, I mean... No. And he looked at me in such a way that he was so appalled. And I was like, I... Never... Never mind. I... Sorry. And like, just wow. walked away. But like, for me, I thought it was hilarious. Right, yeah. You, know, you walk up to somebody... Like, if I do that to my friends... It's hilarious. They turn around and yeah. they're like, oh, oh, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no big deal. Right, yeah. You want to see a dead body. Or they, you know. Or they play along, you know. Yeah! Yeah. Um, you know, they're like, why, you got one? You yeah, yeah, one? exactly, um, yeah. You know, you need a toe? I'll get you a toe. We'll yeah, I was going to say, I was like, um, I was like, you selling? But, yeah, so, uh, but that stuff turns into, so I have this song called, um, 
uh, supervillain lament, and it's essentially this a song about a supervillain and his progression from childhood through relationship into firebombing the world. Um, and it all started from I st- I'm a klutz. I am klutzy as klutzy can be. Okay, um, I stub my toe at least once a day, and I bite my lip or mouth at least once a day. I can't remember the last time I didn't stub my toe or bite my lip once a day. Seriously? Years and years and years. Probably 10 to 15 years. And I, I go, I've, I've been to an orthodontist. They're like, your teeth are fantastic. Um, I've, hmm. you know, I've, uh, anyway, um, I'm just kind of oblivious and I do everything too fast. Um, and so one time I stubbed it so bad. I mean, so bad that it turned black and blue and I lost the nail. Um, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I'm going to destroy the fucking world. Um, and I was like, and it came out of my mouth and I was like, whoa, buddy. Settle down. Calm down. Settle down there. Easy. Take a breath before you go to Lex Luthor Mm -hmm. style for stubbing yourself. Um, hold on a second. My children are screaming. Uh Oh, what is the deal? Gang, what's up? Your nose hurts? Get your finger out of it. It'll be fine. Your nose will be fine. I'm pretty sure. Wait, let me look at it. Oh my gosh. Oh no. What do you have in there? We're going to have to take off the whole right side of your nose. All right, I'm going to go get the scalpel and the blowtorch. <laughs> if you can scrub your bodies with soap, that'll make sure we have a clean surface and an area for me to operate on, okay? Let's not do that, though, okay? Good, yes, you're going to share that with the whole world because the night earpods do step on it. All right, <laughs> please stand up. Thank you, my love. You're the best. Um, uh but so I was like, easy. And I thought it was such an absurd thing to say that I turned it into, I sat down with my guitar and I was like, I'll destroy the world. And I just can't, and I started writing this song called Supervillain's Lament hmm. because this, like, I think because somewhere in there, right behind this, ridiculous statement is a very sad, scared, hurt, not just physically, but emotionally um, confused me. And that's real. You know what I mean? Like the story of this villain is, you know, like that's me. Like I, it's not something I thought about. It's something that happened and it's something, and I think that that's, if that's something that organically comes out of me, then maybe there's something there that someone else can can grab onto. You know what I mean? Yep. In this little ridiculous story about this supervillain who, you know, and I, I mean, I put some of my childhood in there to keep it accurate, and then certain relationship aspects in there, and and um, and then certain cynical aspects of my own thought process. Um, as a, as a catharsis and as a way to 
have something be quirky and fun, but, but at the same time, brutally, brutally honest. Um, and, uh, and that's how I learn about me. I was going to say, I think, but I think that that kind of stuff is rad. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's in those moments where like our guard is down that we can have a real human experience. Like I, I got, I got no time to waste. Yeah. I'm here for only a little bit of time. And, uh, uh, and, and I'm, you know, there's the old saying, if you're, you know, <laughs> you, you, if you're scared to die, you shouldn't be scared to live. And it's like, I, I got a, I got a lot of things I want to do in this world that generally have to do with the people I care about and not so much about me. Um, and so, and then people that I don't know, you know, like, cause it's that thing, right? Where you came up to me and said drunk again, meant something to you. Like, right. God, there's no feeling like that. Yeah. To say like, I took a moment of pain in my life and, and gave it away. Um, there's, you know, I mean like, and everybody's interpreted things differently. I had a girl who told me she thought that song was hilarious. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh-huh. you're welcome to interpret it that way. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe I should go back and look at my performance on the CD because maybe maybe I didn't do very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, if you uh, go back and listen, maybe you'll realize that. Oh God, what what just happened to him? What has he been through? Yeah. So, but it's it's for me. It really is all about yeah, being vulnerable um, and honest because mm-hmm. it's. That's why it's why people turn to artists they think to begin with they get really confused when it come, they they turn it into materialism and stuff like that <sighs> you know like it's it's like the success of yes, it's amazing to be able to make a certain amount of money because of what you do. That's a super sweet feeling. But, um, you know, like, I like to think that if it's not connected with some sort of usefulness, then, then that money doesn't keep anybody warm at night. No. No. Not at, not at the end of the day. I've got a whole blanket made out of hundreds, and it's, uh, <laughs> I use I was... it in the summer because it's just too... too I was gonna say. I was gonna say you're, uh, you know, you're filthy rich, right? From, from all those, all those years on the road, you know, with real big fish. Just the richest, the rich. (laughs) Oh, so one would. I'm sure there's people out there that actually think that, you know. Oh no, totally. And I mean, like, (laughs) you know, we made it. we made a decent living. You know what I mean? Like right. anybody who can make a living making music. I mean, d- seriously, like I never thought, I never thought and, and continue to be like, Oh wow. I cannot believe, you know, we made the living we made. And it's like, and you know, I'll, uh, I'd like to try it again. I don't need a lot. You know, I'm not, I'm not expecting, you know, crazy things. I just, you know, it'd be nice to make some music and get, make some money so that I can continue to make more music and as long as people want to hear it, right? And when they stop wanting to hear it, they'll stop contributing and I, you know, and I'll have to do something else, which is fine. 
you know, I mean, I, I probably will be a little sad about it, but like that's, that's the flow of things, right? Yep. That's uh, the way that works. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't listen to Huey Lewis when he told me to save my money. <laughs> I like the Huey um, reference. Yeah, I didn't. Li- I didn't well, listen no, he either. Actually, I, oh, like he, he actually. It he was actually an told you that day when I. Yeah, well, I had met Huey Lewis when Dan Regan and I were playing horns for Green Day on the Nimrod tour. Wait, you? Um, I guess I didn't. I didn't realize that you and Dan played on the Nimrod tour. Yeah, so they wow. were having horn players out because they had horns on the Nimrod album, and they were like, right. so they had Stephen Gabe from No Doubt for a little while. Um, they had some other people, and then they asked us. And so I went out for a little while, but then I had to come home because I had to record uh, vocals for uh, Why Do They Rock So Hard. Okay. So Tavis took my place. But I spent about a week with the Green Day guys. Wow. Um, and so one of our first shows was at the Shoreline Amphitheater in San Francisco. And I met Huey Lewis there very briefly. Um, and then when we were on tour on the Why Do They Rock So Hard tour, um, with Springheel Jack, we ran into Huey Lewis uh, at the Hard Rock Casino Hotel. He was there playing golf with Bill Murray, and <laughs> it's so random. <laughs> I was I was tripping on mushrooms at the time. Oh, um, I had eaten a slew of mushrooms. Okay, um, kids, don't do drugs. Yeah, don't do um, drugs, and then meet Huey Lewis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we were standing there and I, I normally would not have this courage, but I was tripping. Right. And so I was like, and so Grant, Grant was was still with us at that time. He goes, Hey, is that Huey Lewis? I was like, it's not Huey. It's Huey Lewis. And so I just waved to him and said, Hey, Huey. And he came over and he was really nice. I was like, I don't know if you, I met, uh, met you backstage at Shoreline with Green Day. Um, I was in the uh, I was in the horn section. He's like, "Oh, awesome!" He's like, "What are you doing here?" I was like, "Well, I'm here with my band, Real Big Fish." He's like, "Oh, you guys are Real Big Fish." We were like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> He's like, "My son Austin loves you guys." And we were like, "Is this happening? <laughs> Is this really happening?" And so he sat down with us, and like we had a drink and we talked for a while. And I was like, you know. I was like, I'm such a big fan. He's like, let's not sit there and like go back and forth and do the thing. Cause I'm a huge fan of you guys. Like, I, we, let's just be people. And we're like, mm-hmm. okay, sure. Huey Lewis. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, and so I was like, you know, I was like, do you have any, like, I hate to be like this. And I was like, but do you have any advice? And he's like, yeah, save your money. And I was like, okay, save my money. He's like, seriously, save your money. He's like, it doesn't last forever. He's like, I'm here playing golf with Bill Murray, and he would tell you the same thing. Save your money. Um, we did run into Bill Murray later that night, and uh, Tavis has a very embarrassing story about trying to give him $5 when he he didn't want it. Um, hmm. Tavis tried to buy no Bill Murray a drink, and Bill Murray said, no thanks, there's money in the bank, and Tavis left a $5 bill on uh-huh. his table. Nice. That, uh, and we were just like, that's hilarious. Hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, we got that advice often and we just, we didn't as much as we should have. Yeah. Um, but so if any bands are out there, um, do, do better than, than we did. <laughs> Save Maybe your money. money. Yeah. It doesn't like, yeah. I mean like nobody's, the, the careers that last forever are few and far between. 
That's for sure. You know, and it's all about the work ethic too. But, um, you know, real big fish, we were lucky enough to, we worked our butts off. You know, what's the, the luck is preparation when preparation and opportunity meet. Um, you know, but it's also a lot of like, we, we, we stuck around even when people didn't want us to stick around. You know, um, until they wanted us to stick around again. Which yeah. Kind of funny. It is funny how that works out. Well, you you stuck you stuck through it, you know, through that yeah. that rough that rough time after ska had kind of died in the mainstream and it was getting all serious and and uh, obviously with um, it happened with Real Big Fish and other bands that were still on you know major labels. You guys stuck with okay. Well, we're not going to let you have horns in your single that's played on the radio. We're not going to do that. Like. And you have to be right. okay with that, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So, and you guys, you guys yeah, stuck I mean, to that. Well, and I will say that's Aaron, Aaron is such a champion of ska music. Like that guy is, and, and do not get me wrong. I love my ska music. Like it's is big in my home. I am so proud to be a part of the community. Um, you know, I'm uh, actually next weekend, uh, I'm going to be doing an interview for this big ska documentary that's being, that's being filmed right now. And I'm so grateful because ska music meant, has meant so much to me in my life. It was such a wonderful scene and an opportunity. Um, and, but Aaron was the leader of the band. And we kind of, at a lot of points, were like, we're going to follow your lead, dude. Whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. and he was like, we're a ska band. We have horns. This is what we do. Um, and we were like, okay, that's what we do. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, you know, there was, there was Where Have You Been, which didn't have horns right. from, for the single. But when we played it live, we had horns. You, you had horns, And that's right. also with, that's also with, with beer when we decided we were like you know what beer needs horns we're going to put horns in beer mm-hmm. um, we're, we're a ska band we're a horn band that's what we do like yep. we're not ashamed of it we're proud of it we work hard at it it's what sets us apart um, you know uh, that we're not going to let this industry dictate to us what they think the fans want because we found time and time again that they didn't have a clue what the fans wanted Yep, that's for um, sure. But we did because we were at the shows, shaking hands, meeting people. Like, you know, um, it was like when we tried to get over to Europe uh, for the first time. Europe and the UK, the record label didn't want to put our record out over there until we did. We toured, and our booking agency didn't want to book us over there until we had a record out. Oh we my like, god! How do we solve oh. this, gang? And luckily the internet was what the internet was in, you know, 1999 through 2001. And people were downloading our music through Napster or some sort of illegal way, or there were, you know, imports that people were paying through the nose to get their hands on. And then putting it up on, on the internet or, you know, burning copies for friends. And so, we went over there on our own dime based on what we were seeing on early message boards. 
that there were there were fans there. We paid for that trip ourselves. We broke even. We played what was it 30, 38 shows in thirty nine days or something ridiculous like that. Oh wow! We worked so hard on. We slept in a van some nights. Um, and then the next time we went back, we were in a bus and we were playing bigger venues and we went back. So we, and it wasn't that long after we went back. So that's, we realized, are you there? Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm just listening. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Sorry. My, I, I, my earbuds just went. Oh no, 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 no. So I gotta, I gotta switch over from my earbuds to my handheld. Oh, okay. Hello? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, but that's, we learned at a certain point, I think we've always kind of had this like uphill struggle. Um, yeah, really fish always had an uphill struggle because even when we first hit the road, we weren't ska enough for the ska kids. We weren't punk enough for the punk kids. And, um, and there was a little, there was a little too much glam rock in there for everybody. <laughs> but um but we loved it you know i mean that was who we are and what we did so yep yeah, yeah. you guys were in between all that kind of you could well yeah say. i mean just like uh, i mean poison and and i mean one of aaron's biggest guitar influences is, is cc um right from, from um um <clears throat> from poison yep um you know and we actually i'll never when we met cc that's awesome. That looks so funny. So nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's, that's, it's, I think that's the whole point of, if you're, who was it who said like, if it's not, if you're not make, if you're not getting an actual like physical reaction out of art, then you're not doing it right. Like, uh, I don't, it I don't either, know who like, said that, but I've, I've heard it. Yeah. Like it's, you know, like, good, real good art should make your heart pound or it mm-hmm. should make you sick to your stomach or, uh, you know, it should make you want to get up and dance or it should make you want to fight or it should make you want to cry. It should make your body, it should bring about some sort of response that can be manifested physically, I mm-hmm. think. No, I agree. Um, toe tapping is still acceptable, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, head bobbing. I went and saw so uh, a friend of mine just played at the Brooklyn Band Show recently, and I looked at uh, when she comes to town once a year. She's an unbelievable artist and has an incredible band. Her name's Anushka Shankar. Um, it's it's seriously it's like my musical Christmas. It is the greatest, most spiritually, emotionally effective liberating experience. I shut my eyes and I just, I get gone. Like no one else is there. Um, but like, so I'm in my zone and my wife knows not to speak to me when, when this is happening. My eyes are closed and then people are like talking. Talking. And I'm like, what is happening? And I look and I, you know, people are sitting still or they're talking to their neighbor and I'm like, Mm -hmm. something is wrong here. Something is terribly, terribly wrong here because what she does is so So, incredible. It's so unique. 
and it's so beautiful. I mean, it's 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 unique, but it's steeped in in, in classical Hindustani roots, mm-hmm. and and you know, I mean, she's just. I recommend. I recommend. Uh, I would start if you're going to listen to Anushka, which everyone should. There's a record she did called The Traveler. Um, it's a little older, and it's mostly a study in the studying the connections between uh, 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 traditional Hindustani music and flamenco. Okay. It's fascinating. She has a whole explanation of how they derive from similar places, like mm-hmm. geographically and, and artistically. Um, she's very, very smart, and, and I, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but it's inc- it's a rad, 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 rad record. Um, and then she, I mean, there's another record. The most recent one is called Land of Gold. It's beautiful. It's, it's about the refugee crisis uh, going on in the world. Um, so it's very heartbreaking, but it's expertly. Uh, uh, written and arranged and it's just a gorgeous piece of art um, but yeah people go to this and they just they sit there and talk and it's like you know I, I don't I, that I don't understand that's a whole I guess that's a whole other problem it, no it is it, it's and I've I've been to shows and it, where it's like that as well and it, you can usually hear those people when it's like an acoustic act playing and they're like they're opening for all the other you know rock punk oriented bands whatever uh, in the scene and you hear you hear the acoustic act and but then you hear a bunch of people talking as well and you're like there's something wrong with this <laughs> like this this isn't yeah. right like I shouldn't be hearing people talk right now because this you know this person is playing it's just yeah. it's rude. And and whether it, I mean, whether the artist is, you know, extremely talented or not, I think it's rude. So. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it's people's losing their ability to be respectful in a public concert uh, setting. They're so used to being able to talk through TV shows and. Right. Um, and, um, you know, add commentary to live concerts on YouTube or what have you. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're definitely robbing themselves of of what I find to be one of the most incredible musical experiences that I, I, I look forward to. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I think that's a, I think I kind of like went off on a tangent there. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, no, no, you're all good. I'm not sure if I have answered any of your questions. By the way, have you um, asked <laughs> questions? Because I feel like I just I mean gibbeted. I I didn't want to interrupt you. You know, um, so I no, I mean I interrupt me. Be like, dude, you have no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> I just I didn't uh, I didn't want to you know I didn't want to go. Um, because I, I like to just, you know, if if the person has things to say, then I'm just going to let them say them. You know, I'm not going to be the, you know, the, the guy to be a jerk and, and uh, interrupt them. And plus, I'm interested in, in what you're sure. talking about, too. It's not just it's not just that it's, you know, I'm I'm definitely listening and, and taking in what what everything, you know, you've been talking about. So. Um, I just want someone to listen. That's all I need. <laughs> it's a therapy session. Um, 
Gosh, yeah, I mean, I, I do have questions, but the unfortunate thing is I actually have to get going. Like I said before, we can definitely do this again, and um, yeah, I, uh, I'd i love to have you on again uh, when we are, you know, like when you get closer to even the release of the, excuse me, I keep burping, um, closer to the uh, release of that 7-inch um, that uh, you were talking about, and uh, when yeah, you totally. get into if you're going to do any kind of like funding for the record or anything like that, once you get to it, um, yeah, I'll, we can definitely have you back on and cause I would awesome. love, be I my would, pleasure. yeah, I'd love to get the word out about what you're doing. I, I, uh, think it's worthwhile. And I think people will, are, will be glad to hear that, Hey, Scott is still making music and he is still doing things because you're incredibly talented. And, and I, I, think you more more than deserve it so uh, thank you so much that's if you could see i am blushing <laughs> I, I can totally see yeah <laughs> i can totally see but um hopefully you get get some word out and people find out what you've been up to and and uh you know all that fun stuff yeah so. awesome thank you so much this no. was like seriously this was a blast Special thanks again to Scott Klompenstein for being our special guest on the show today. It was a pleasure listening to him talk. And um, I, we didn't even get to get to all the questions that we had for him, but he ended up answering some of the ones that we uh, had written down here. But anyway, you're welcome back anytime, Scott. Make sure you keep track of what Littlest Man Band is up to. You can follow them Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Littlest Man Band. As he mentioned in the interview, I know a lot was said. It was a long one today. But they are going to be releasing a 7-inch coming up this fall, and that'll be followed by a brand-new record at some point in the future. Not really sure on that. And he's just going to put some feelers out there and see what happens. I know we got your back here at Pop Punk and Pizza, Scott. So, all right. Don't forget, uh, speaking of social media, don't forget to follow Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast on Twitter at Pop Punk Pizza Pod. Also, Facebook and Instagram is at Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. I'm on uh, Twitter at On Air with JL. And the Bangarang Radio pages as well, Bangarang Radio, at, or at Bangarang Radio, I should say, on Facebook and Twitter. And you can keep up to date on what's going on with the show. And if you're in a band, you want an interview on the show, or you want your music played, we didn't play any music today, but we normally do, make sure you submit those inquiries into me at bangerangradio at gmail.com. I honestly never thought I would have, I would have uh, Scott Klompenstein on the show, and all, all it took was a follow on Twitter. And uh, here we are. It's just, it's crazy. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. My name is Jacques Lamore. We will be back tomorrow. Not sure what's going to be happening on the show tomorrow, but hey, you just never know who's going to be on or what we're going to be talking about. So have a great rest of the night. And thank you again for listening. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza.